Turning Point presents the Jeremiah Study Bible. Jumpstart your Bible study with more than 8,000 study notes from Dr. Jeremiah to help you discover what the Bible says, what it means, and what it means for you. Available in the New King James and New International versions in standard or large print, as well as the English Standard Version in standard print. For more details or to order your copy, go to davidjeremiah.ca slash jsb. Jesus said there was only one way to heaven, and it was through him. The message is clear for non-believers, but what should Christians take from it? Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah issues a challenge to stay strong when the world calls this message offensive and intolerant. If you need some boldness, listen as David concludes his message, Is There Only One Way to God? Hey, thank you for joining us today for this edition of Turning Point. I'm pretty sure that most people don't go into any one day uh, trying to figure out how to be as obnoxious as they can. Uh, A lot of people think that Christians are obnoxious because they believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. But we don't believe that because we're obnoxious. We believe that because that's what the Bible says. The Bible teaches that. Not just in one passage like John 14, where we are camping these two days, but throughout the Scriptures. And not to accept what the Bible says is fatal. You don't want to do that. Because if you miss the truth of this particular issue, you could miss heaven. And uh, that's not what we want to see happen. We want you to understand that God loves you so much that he's provided a way for you. But you have to accept his way. We didn't make these rules. God made them. And to understand that is to be freed up in your spirit to follow God's direction. We have more discussion on this question. Is there only one way to God? Before we get there, let me just remind you again that we're making all this material available to you in the book, 10 Questions Christians Are Asking. Let God turn your question marks into exclamation points. This book is available to you for a gift of any size during the month of May. We encourage you to make your gift. Be as generous as you can be. But we want it to be available to everyone, no matter what their capacity. We don't want anyone not to be able to get this book because they can't afford it. Do what you can do. Make it your gift to God's ministry at Turning Point. And when you send it, be sure to ask for your copy of the book, 10 Questions, and it will be on its way to you before you know it. We want you to know that God loves you. His word is his message of love to you. And in this word are answers to these questions, like the one we have posed today. Is there only one way to God? Jesus is the absolute opposite of death. Jesus is life. He is the life. And Jesus said, I am the life. John 1, 4 says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Jesus Christ is the one who came to free us from death. 
And I'm not talking here about physical death because we all know that if the Lord doesn't come during our normal lifespan, we will die, all of us. I mean, the statistics on death are 100% last I knew. So death is a reality for us, physical death. He's not talking here about the separation of the soul from the body. He's talking about the death, which is the separation of the soul from God. And he says that if you come to Christ, you will never experience that death. You will come alive. You will be restored in your relationship to God through his life-giving death. You will come alive. A lot of people are always talking about how alive they are. Have you ever been around somebody like that? Oh, I'm just so alive. And many people are. Some of them are alive to themselves. Have you noticed that? It's really hard to be around a person like that, isn't it? They're so alive to themselves, to their own things. Have you ever been around somebody who are always the hero in their stories? Have you ever been around somebody like that? Sometimes I listen to preachers like that. You know, I say, Lord God, don't let me always be the hero of my stories. And some people are alive to their financial stuff and alive to their money, maybe alive to their families. But they are dead to God, and they have no relationship with him. And Jesus said, I have come that this deadness that you have toward God can be turned around and become life. In the story of the prodigal son, when he came back from the far country, the Bible says that his father said, this my son was dead, and he is alive. Well, his son wasn't dead. And he had no reason to believe that he was. He might have been, but he had not heard that he was dead. He wasn't talking about his physical life. He was talking about the fact that while his son was in the far country, he was dead to his family. His family didn't know he was dead to what was going on around his family, dead to what his older brother was doing, dead to his father watching for him, dead to all of the joys that were a part of his home. He was dead to it all. But when he came back, he became alive to it all. That's what Jesus Christ is telling us, that if we come to him, we will come alive to God in the places where we were dead toward him. The Bible teaches us that the part of us that is dead toward God, which is true of everyone before they meet Christ, that deadness becomes alive. And the Bible says it's not just life, it's abundant life. I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly, John 10, 10. In the Bible, this is a truth that is spelled out in many passages. Let me just give you three if you're writing things down for the reference. Ephesians 2, 1 says this, and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin. In Ephesians 2, 5, even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. And Colossians 2.13, and you being dead in your trespasses, he has made alive together with him. Jesus Christ did not come into this world simply to invigorate our old sin nature. He did not come to just refine the ugliness in our life. Jesus came into this world to give us a whole new life where there was deadness that we might know God and come alive spiritually. I don't know any better way to describe what happens to a person who accepts Christ. They just come alive spiritually. My friend Ravi Zacharias one time gave this testimony. He said, I have traveled the world. I have searched high and low. I have found nothing that satisfies my mind, my heart, and the deepest longings of my soul like Jesus does. He's not only the way, the truth, and the life. He's my way 
my truth and my life. And he can be that for anyone who will come to him and believe what he says. Several years ago, when I was still a pastor in another part of the country, I was asked to give a talk to a group of college students in New Jersey. Actually, it was at the Glassboro State University. I was asked to go there. There were some Christians who had set this up, and they had invited some of their friends, most of whom were atheists and agnostics, to come and hear me speak. And I frankly tell you, I was a little bit nervous about that, but I did my best, and I gave my talk, and then they told me there would be a question and answer time afterwards. Now, that's where you start to get nervous when you know that's going to happen. And sure enough, I wasn't five minutes into this question time when a guy in the back row raised his hand and he said something like this. He said, I've been listening to what you've said, Reverend, and I want to ask you a question. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to God? And I remember saying to him, sir, it really doesn't make any difference what I believe. It really doesn't make any difference what I think. What really makes a difference is what God says and what Jesus says. And I don't want you to go away from here tonight thinking about what David Jeremiah believes. I want you to go away from here thinking about what God says in his word. And he says through his son Jesus, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. And mark it down in your notes, men and women. This does not rest on just one lonely passage in the book of John. Over and over in the New Testament, it is both assumed by those who write this. I mean, why else would the disciples go to their death believing that there was only one way if they didn't truly believe there was only one way? But listen to these words from the other portions of the gospel. John 17, 3 says, This is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Here's the best one beside the John chapter 14, Acts 4, verse 12. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Did you hear that? How exclusive can you get? And 1 Timothy 2.5, I've referenced earlier, there's one God and one meteor between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Now when we talk about these things, and I'm not trying to dodge this at all, but to hit it straight on the best I know how, whenever we talk about these things, people are prone to respond in different ways, and I've had them say something like this to me. They'll say, well, Pastor Jeremiah, that's fine for you. I'm sure that really helps you where you are in your life. But I don't believe that. And then they smile with a kind of accommodating smile that says, I don't believe it, so it can't be true. But I'd like you to try that approach on the law of gravity. <laughs> I don't believe the law of gravity, so it can't be true. If I jump out of a 10-story building, the same thing will happen to me whether I believe it or not, because it's a law of God. And the principle of coming to God through Christ is one of God's spiritual laws. How many of you know God gets to make the rules? We don't. I didn't make this up. I'm not saying this. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. One of my dear friends went to be with the Lord. His name is Kenny Poor. And Kenny Poor is in heaven now. 
I always loved Kenny because he always had a way of saying stuff that nobody else would say. And I remember one time he told me, he says, you know, people are always freaking out because we say there's only one way to heaven. And then he said something like this, you know, he said, becoming a Christian is called the second birth, the new birth. Let's use the first birth as an illustration. He said, as far as I know, there's only one way to get born physically, only one. You have to have a sperm and an egg, and they have to unite, and they bring forth birth. And it doesn't matter whether it's in test tube or in a womb. It's just there's only one way to be born physically. How narrow-minded of God. (laughs) How very exclusive of God to make physical birth so one way. Why then would we be surprised that if the law of God concerning physical birth is very similar to the law of God concerning spiritual birth? There's just one way. The principle of coming to God through Christ is one of God's spiritual laws. And it cannot be violated. You can't change it. You might say with all your heart, I don't believe it. But you won't change the truth of it one bit. And it won't make any difference when you stand before God. If you have not believed this, you can say, well, I didn't believe it at the time I heard it. Well, that doesn't make any difference. It's true. And it's witnessed to you from the word of God and Jesus Christ himself made that claim. So let me stop here for just a moment for those of you who want to be more inclusive than exclusive. Don't come to me with any mitigating nonsense about, no, I believe that the Christian faith is like other faiths, and I accept all of them. No, if you don't accept the exclusivity of Jesus Christ, you cannot accept Christianity at all, because Jesus Christ said he was the only way, and if he isn't the only way, he's a liar, and you do not have the opportunity to follow him. If he is not the one way, he has disqualified himself. So we have this very tolerant, can't we all just get along kind of thing in the spiritual realm. And that's all right if you want to think that way, but you can't do that. You can't say, I believe Christianity is true, and I believe these other things are true as well, because the head of Christianity said, the Son of God said, I am the only way. That's either true or it's not. If it's true, then the rest doesn't matter. If it's not true, what are we doing here today? I've been so convicted in my heart as I've thought about this passage. It's a great evangelistic passage, and I want to make sure everybody knows that what Jesus is saying here is for our benefit. And in a way, what we say is exclusive is one of the great inclusive passages in all the Bible. Tim Keller has put this in this word. He said, to say a good person, not just Christians, can find God is to say good works are enough. But this is apparently an inclusive approach, and it's really quite exclusive. Listen to this. It says the good people are in and the bad people are out. But if that's true, listen to me now, if it is true that you have to be good and to go to heaven and the good people are in and the bad people are out, what does this mean for all of us who have failure in our life? We are excluded. So, Really, in the two ways that people try to deal with God, one of which is to try to do enough to please him so that you can get his favor and go to heaven, which is what all the religions do, and the other which is that God already has done everything we need for us and we just need to accept it. Both of these ways are very exclusive in how they are presented. And if you want to accept it this way, let me tell you, Christianity is the most inclusive exclusivity there is. (laughs) 
Because Christianity says, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and anyone who wants to come may come. It doesn't matter what religion you came from. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter if you have lived at the gates of hell. It simply says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, but I'm not just a way for good people. I'm a way for all people who will come. And that's how I got in. How about the rest of you? Amen? Yes, Christianity is exclusive, but it is the most inclusive exclusivity you will ever read about in all of your life. And the next time somebody comes and says, I don't believe what you believe because I don't believe in this one way, it's too exclusive. You need to tell them, no, no, no. It's the most inclusive thing you've ever heard. For this Jesus is the one who said, come unto me all you who are laboring and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And that's the message to anyone who may have struggled with this in your own thinking about Christianity. But let me just add one more thought before we finish. While I know that this is the message to those who haven't accepted the way, what is the message to those of us who have? Ladies and gentlemen, if we truly believe that Jesus Christ is the way, and that no one comes to the Father except through Him, what does that say about our complacency concerning the gospel? What does that say about those of us who live and work around people who do not know Him and say nothing about it whatsoever? What does it say about our unwillingness even to have a discussion with anyone about the gospel? I have to honestly tell you that as I look back over my life, I have been intimidated by this more than once. When I was a student in Dallas Seminary, I was working at the Illinois California Express, which is a freight company. I worked on the docks and I drove a truck during the week. And I would often have guys come to me and say, oh, yeah, there's the preacher boy. And then they'd start talking about, oh, he thinks he's the only one going to heaven. Is he? And then they would talk about that and they would try to engage me. And I found myself pushing back because I didn't want to seem intolerant. You know, men and women, we have become such nice Christians. We don't ever want anybody to disagree with us. And even though we might hold our own convictions about this, we don't ever want to tell anybody about them for fear that we will offend them. And I think maybe it's time for us to stop and ask ourselves, do I really believe that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father except through him? And if we believe that, we ought to start acting like we believe it. We ought to start living like we believe it. The idea that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life is not a negative message. It's the most positive message there ever was. Because without him, there is no way. He is the way. And he has come so that we might know him. I know a lot of Christians and a lot of churches have been arrogant about this message. But if they read the message in the context in which it was given by our Lord, they could never be arrogant. Jesus had just gotten finished washing the disciples' feet. Within a few hours, he's going to be hanging on a cross. Jesus didn't come and jam this message down his disciples' throats. He came with a broken heart to tell them the reason he had come was that he might be able to break down the barrier that existed between the Father and lost men and women. I read a story that perhaps 
will do for you what it does for me kind of gives us a final picture in which we can place all of this truth. There was a pioneer missionary in Africa who told how he was taking the gospel to a new tribe that was far to the north. With his bearers, he arrived at a village, a point beyond which his porters would not go. The missionary appealed to the local chief. He said, was there someone in his village who could act as his guide to the distant northern tribe? The chief summoned a man tall, battle-scarred, who was carrying a large axe. The bargain was made, and the next morning, the missionary and his new guide set off through the bush. And as they went, the way became increasingly rough, and the path all but disappeared. There was an occasional mark blazed on a tree, occasionally a little narrow path, but then it would disappear. Finally, the missionary had had it, and he called a halt. And he looked at the guide as if he wanted to question the guide's integrity. And he said to him, are you sure you know the way? And the man pulled himself up to his full height and he said, white man, you see this axe in my hand? You see these scars on my body? With this axe, I have blazed the trail to that tribal village to which we go. I came from there. These scars I received when I made the way. You ask me if I know the way? Before I came, there was no way. I am the way. And I want you to know that the Lord Jesus has the scars in his body that he got making the way for us through the barrier of sin. Before him, there was no way. Without Jesus, we have no hope. Without him, we are lost. We will never know God. But he came. He condescended to put himself within the limitations of a human body, lived for 30 years in a little place no bigger than a postage stamp on the universal map, and ultimately one day went to the cross and hung there while they nailed him to that piece of wood. And because he was God in a body, he bore the penalty for all of us. And he's got the scars to prove that he alone is the way. I'm here to tell you, if you want to go to heaven, if you want to have your sins forgiven, if you want to know the truth, if you want to have life, there's only one person who can do that for you, and that is Jesus Christ. That is not the word of David Jeremiah. That is the word of the Bible. That is the word of Jesus himself, the Son of God. And I want you to know that any of us who end up in heaven will be there for one reason, and that's because we have accepted Christ. I want to announce today, in case any of you don't know, I'm going to heaven. I'm going to heaven, not because David Jeremiah, I have nothing to offer. I have a Savior who blazed a trail so that my sin could be forgiven, and because of what he did, he's taken me to heaven. He's my way. I want you to make him your way today. I may never, ever have a chance to preach on this passage again. I think of all the places I haven't preached that I want to preach. This is one of the central passages in the Word of God. It is the answer to the question, is there one way to God? Yes, and his name is Jesus. And I recommend him to you. Amen. Amen. Well, this is the Friday edition of Turning Point, and um, I want to make sure that I 
encourage you to go to church this weekend. Find a church that honors Christ and teaches His Word and get there. Don't sit at home and watch it if you can go. We've taught ourselves some bad habits over these last months, and we've got to get out of that. The Bible says we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together, so you need to be in church. I hope you're in a place where your churches are open, even in liberal California. All of our churches are open to capacity as of last week, and uh, we're going to church. We have a lot of people in church, and it's such a wonderful thing to be back in fellowship with God's people. there's a new sense of uh, appreciation for church that we haven't had simply because it was taken from us. The church is the place God wants to bless, and I hope you find your place there this weekend. And then don't forget to look for Turning Point on television. It's available across the whole spectrum of networks this weekend. And uh, you can then join us again on Monday, right here on this good station, for the next edition of Turning Point on Monday. We're going to talk about why Christians have so many problems. You probably wonder about that. We'll be talking about that next week. Well, this is David Jeremiah. Hey, thank you so much for letting me be with you every day, opening the scripture, encouraging you, telling you what God is doing through Turning Point. And now go have yourself a great weekend and make sure... God is at the center of it all. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. The message you just heard originated from Shadow Mountain Community Church and senior pastor, Dr. David Jeremiah. How has your life been impacted by this ministry? Let us know by writing to Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, Delta, B.C., V4L2M4. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's book, 10 Questions Christians Are Asking, and learn to live with greater confidence. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your favorite smart devices or search in your app store for the keywords Turning Point Ministries. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us Monday as we continue the series, 10 Questions Christians Are Asking, here on Turning Point. Dear friend, I'm Dr. David Jeremiah, and I'd like to take a moment to speak with you as the world faces the coronavirus pandemic. There is no question we are living in a time of unprecedented uncertainty. It is unlike anything I have experienced in my whole life. And the temptation in times like these is to allow fear and worry to creep into our thoughts and to rob us of our joy. But in these uncertain times, we need to remember that God is still in control. And my prayer for you is that you are healthy, you're in a safe place and surrounded by those you love. Please keep the ministry of Turning Point in your prayers as well. We will continue to bring the healing power of God's Word to you each day on radio, television, and online. And I really hope this will be a source of encouragement to you during the current coronavirus. So be safe, be in the Word, and be in prayer. The British writer Logan Pearsall Smith once wrote, Don't laugh at a young person for his changing behaviors. He's only trying on one face after another till he finds his own. 
It's sometimes amusing to watch young people search for their identity, but it is not amusing to see adults doing the same thing. To discover who we are, we have to ask the only one who knows, the God who created us. And God knows every man, woman, and child intimately and wants to say, first of all, you are my child. Now let me help you discover who I created you to be. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover who God created you to be on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.